hormones. It can feel like a really daunting topic and overwhelming for us as women to navigate what in the world is going on in our bodies and how do our hormones impact our physical, mental, and spiritual health. Today, I'm talking to Dr. Heather Rhodes, a former pharmacist turned holistic hormone healing expert. Heather is honestly one of the most insightful teachers on this topic and has totally changed my life through going through my own hormone reset. And I cannot wait for you to hear from her today. Are you in a season where you're longing for more, desiring inner peace, hoping for more authenticity in relationships? Perhaps you're feeling unsettled inside, like you know that God is calling you deeper, higher, and further than you've ever gone before. You are ready for change and it's time for something to shift. But what is it? What's been missing? My name is Amber Todd. I am a Christian counselor, and I believe that you were never meant to live a disconnected, segmented life. You were created for connection, deep, authentic, healing connection. First, within yourself, because your mental, physical, and spiritual health is interconnected. This is why I love collaborating with doctors and like-minded holistic practitioners who honor God's design for our whole being to function and operate in harmony. Life Interconnected Podcast is an intentional space you can come to every week to receive encouragement, hope, and a fresh perspective on your internal world so that you better understand your thoughts and emotions and how to live a connected life. Join this movement of mindful believers who desire to grow in our faith and cultivate a holistic approach to health and wellness. Subscribe to the podcast today and share it with your friends. Welcome to Life Interconnected. Hi, Heather. Welcome to the Life Interconnected podcast. Hey, Amber. I am so excited to be here. Yes, we are so honored to have you. And I remember the first time I heard you on someone else's podcast, and I think I listened to the episode two or three times because what you have to teach and the way you teach it is so simple yet so profound and so life-changing. And I'm just excited, one, to keep learning myself and also just for our audience to learn from you. So. We just appreciate you. Well, thank you so much for that. And it's definitely um, been a gift to be able to put together a lot of different pieces from my education, but also my beliefs and my own experience. And so I think that when you're driven by those things, like things you experience and things you think people need to understand and things that you learned that changed your life, it's so easy to practice translating and communicating those things in a way that like helps other people too. Yeah, absolutely. Because hormones can be so complicated and I mean, it can feel daunting and overwhelming. And I know you have a really interesting background that kind of led you down this path. So I'd love to just first hear a little bit more about your story and kind of how you ended up in the role that you are and what you teach. Yeah. So I traditionally um, was trained in you know, pharmacy. I went to pharmacy school and I did a residency afterwards. My residency just happened to be in um, ambulatory care, which is just kind of a fancy way of saying like we were inside of the doctor's offices working with patients. So it's kind of like a branch of pharmacy where you're not behind a counter. You're like interacting with clients as if, um, or patients as if you almost are a provider and you can get certification. So I had some different um, certifications and trainings and residency to allow myself to prescribe medications. And I was really managing clients specifically with diabetes and 
um, metabolic conditions. So things that your metabolism influence that require meds long, well, <laughs> that we're told require meds long-term. So things like high blood yeah. pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, all that good stuff. And what I realized there was like, Hey, people really want to get better. People mm-hmm. want to get off of these meds. People are not as lazy and apathetic as we were taught in school. And that's what we were taught. It's like, well, people want mistakes. People won't make the changes. You know, you just adjust the meds. They lie about their food. They lie about this. And I look back on that and I'm like, man, that's like what we were told from the beginning. And that is so sad because what I realized it took me a couple of years to like break those beliefs and kind of deconstruct that and be like, no, that's not the case. Like people aren't coming in here, spending their time and their money to lie to us about stuff. Right. What's happening is that what we're told is fact about you know, well, this is the way you have to eat to fix diabetes. It's not accurate. And it's taking an approach that requires medications. And so what I started finding really quickly was like, Hey, when these clients have the information they need, things start to change. Mm -hmm. And so ironically, in one of my positions, um, I remember my boss coming in and being like, Hey, you're not prescribing enough of this medication. It was a diabetes medication. And Hmm. I was working there. Um, as a part of a grant from Congress. So I had to track a lot of stuff to go back to Congress and say like, Hey, this is why a pharmacist is, is worth the money. Um, and what I was looking at, I was like, but look at my tracking. Like my clients are so healthy. Like they're all, like their A1Cs are great, which is just a way we measure diabetes. And, um, the conversation was in a roundabout way, something along the lines of what I walked away with understanding of, Oh, wow. If we don't prescribe a certain amount of medications, we lose the discount that we get on buying those medications in bulk at the facility and feeling like this is, there's a lot of profit in this conversation mm-hmm. and that's just really hard. And it's not any one person's fault. I've worked with so many amazing doctors and it's so many amazing facilities. I've been really grateful for those opportunities, but in the traditional healthcare system, I could not overlook the fact and the extent to which profit was a goal. And mm-hmm. my eyes were really opened in that realm. I started, um, my background's in clinical research as well before I went to pharmacy school. And so I was writing clinical trials as a pharmacist for different medications. Ironically, this is so funny. Um, one of the things I worked on, I have to be really careful about the way I talked about it, but one of the things <laughs> I worked on was a similar type of medication to what is now Ozempic, what people are now using for this like massive weight loss. It's just very ironic given what I do now, but mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I did. I started seeing like, oh, like there's even ways we're changing this information to appear a certain way. I didn't really feel was authentically focused on how do people actually get better. Mm -hmm. And then I went through my own journey. My husband and I were trying to get pregnant. And when I became the patient, it was like, okay, I want the information. I want the education. Like, I don't, I don't want the things that you guys are giving me. You're giving me options for meds. You're telling me to lose weight. And again, People will say those things like, oh, you should try low carb or you should lose weight without ever having a conversation with you about what's your history with your weight? What's your history with eating? It was two weeks out of recovery from an eating disorder when I had a doctor suggest that to me. Mm. And I remember thinking, I sat on my couch and I remember thinking like, there has to be a better way. Like God did not design our bodies to just be broken and need all of these things. And the only way to fix them are these chemicals. And so- Hmm. I took the knowledge I had from pharmacy school of knowing how the body works and started thinking like, okay, well, if the drug does this, how could you do that same thing 
with food or with exercise or with whatever. And I really dove into podcasts and books and so many different things. And I also had a, a moment where things improved and things were so healed. And I looked back on my journey and was like, man, I'm so lucky that I have this deep understanding that I spent four years learning how the body worked to be able to put all of these pieces together Mm -hmm. to be able to experience this healing. And I was like, but there's so many people out there that are like incredible at their jobs, real estate agents, accountants, business women, teachers, and they don't get that. Like they don't get the ability to do that. They couldn't put all these pieces together and still excel at what they were designed to excel at, you know, Um, at least not without somebody jumping in and holding their hand and saying like, Hey, look, I understand this. I went to school to learn this and I'm going to make this as simple and break it down for you in the easiest way so that you can understand it while still doing the amazing things you were meant to do. Mm. So that was what lit the fire. And that's how I started doing it for other women. And I just started really small, like telling a couple people I knew were struggling, like, Hey, this is what I'm learning. I think I could map out a couple steps for you that would push you in the next direction. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it just really went from there. Wow. Wow. So much of what you just shared just lights my fire too, because I feel like I really resonate with this wake up call of like, what is happening right now in Western medicine? Um, as I, I, I love how you put it. You know, I think when we have a system that we want to create dependency on certain products or pharmaceuticals that result in financial gain, then there is, there is an agenda and that agenda bluntly is not our wholeness and health. It's not restoring um, back to our intended design. And I think what you said is really important that people have then felt disempowered to own their health because we've put doctors on a pedestal to say, you have all the answers, give me something, give me a quick fix to make me feel better. And yet then we become dependent on that quick fix. And that's what I love about your whole approach is that you, you really have helped me and countless other people really cultivate a lifestyle around wellness and really understand how our bodies work, understand how our hormones work. And it's felt so empowering because you've taken something intimidating and made it really simple. And I just deeply appreciate that. I love that. And I get it because I can't, I'll never forget. There was one point where I was working in a retail pharmacy. Um, and then I, I just wanted to like branch out and do something different. I was like, man, I miss being in the doctor's offices. Like I just want to do something different. And so I started working at a compounding pharmacy and they compounded hormones. So hormone replacement therapy. Mm -hmm. And the guy that worked there, the guy that owned it, he was like a genius when it came to hormones and changing doses and like all that stuff. And I remember walking in one day and being like, I'm just here to like hang out with you guys and like get a new environment under my belt. But like, I will not learn about hormones. They don't make sense. They're so complicated. Like I will not do it. I was like, you can try to teach me or give me a book or he would show me these flow charts. I was like, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. Sorry. I mean, literally. And that wasn't that long ago. I mean, oh, okay. Well, I guess it was 10 years ago. Oh my gosh. It was 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying that out loud. Yeah. But I mean, I, I remember saying those things to him because they didn't make sense. And I think one of the reasons they didn't make sense is because when you go through pharmacy school, you have to learn every system the body has. And you have to learn how every piece of that system works because mm-hmm. when you put a drug in there, it's going to affect every system, right? So you have to like know all of them first and then you have to like put them all together. 
And what we learned for like the reproductive system and women and like health and hormones is literally just like, oh, these are the hormones you have. This is like how your hormones move during the month. And if there's ever a problem, just put the person on birth control. And I Mm. remember having to memorize like, I don't know, 60 different types of birth control and what dose of estrogen was in all of them, which I'm like, that's great. But also like, (laughs) that's what you taught us. Right. Right. And now 10 years later, none of those are the same meds or the same type of anything anymore. But what all of those pharmacists that went through that program didn't walk away with was an understanding of what do you do when those hormones are low? What do you Mm -hmm. do when they're out of balance? Because the body has a system that keeps them back in balance and it's not the 60 different forms of birth control. Right. I felt really mad about that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It it makes me angry too, because I was the 16 year old who was prescribed birth control because, you know, my cycles were irregular and that was the solution. There was an explanation. It was like, so for, I think I was on it for 11 years Oh wow! and looking back, like one, I just feel so robbed of like that inform having this information as a teenager would have been life changing. But two, I thought that solved my problem. And then, you know, you know, once I got married and thinking about having kids and all of that, it's like your body, what was going on underneath is still going on, maybe even worse now. So I would love to hear from your perspective as we talk about hormones and talk about things being interconnected and how God created the mind, body, spirit to be connected. How do you see that connection between those body systems when, when addressing hormones? Yeah. Um, I think a, a cool thing about it is the female hormones line up with supporting the different kind of emotional and honestly spiritual strengths that I think women were designed to have. Mm-hmm. And so what's really cool there is that when these hormones are working the right way, they support our body and these other systems working the right way. So progesterone and estrogen change blood flow to different areas of the brain. And we need those different areas during different times of the month. And the other thing is a lot of those transitional changes actually help keep us safe. So our bodies are still very primal in the sense of like, hey, the systems our bodies have in place were designed to keep us safe and alive when survival was the most important problem and the most important focus for our society, right? Like we're still animals. We're still a species that have these instinctual things in place. And so an example of that is when you are bleeding every month, that is seen as vulnerability, right? Because your energy is low and it's just from, again, like this very almost animalistic perspective, any animal that is bleeding is more vulnerable. And Mm -hmm. so what that does is your body knows that and your hormone levels change and they change these places of blood flow in the brain to where your energy and your focus and your emotions tend to be a little bit more internal. You tend to feel this desire to be isolated. You tend to um, have a little bit more of an analytical perspective. And that's Mm -hmm. all coming from the hormone levels changing but it's Mm -hmm. also part of a design that keeps you safe because you want to be more analytical when you're a little bit more vulnerable. Right. And then the second piece of that is you have this other um, phase of your hormone cycle every month where your body's main goal is to get you pregnant. And so Mm -hmm. that will change different places of your brain getting activated and having blood flow so that you want to be more social. 
It changes the way you smell. It changes um, the way you're able to communicate. It Mm -hmm. also can even change the activation of your libido center. Your body is working with you to accomplish these things. And so the design is really beautiful and it's really intricate. And it sometimes I, I think this might be a little extreme, but you know, we're sometimes told like, Hey, like darkness hates light. And like, that's, that's darkness just hates light. And so anything that's stemming from some darkness or has been infiltrated by darkness in some ways, it wants to put out a light. And so I can see how not even from a fleshly, like I'm focused on a specific company or person or organization, but just from a simple issue of like darkness, like, yeah, we want to squash that design. Yeah. It would want to, um, you know, take that away from women because it's such a beautiful, Mm. intricate design and it helps us as creators and it helps us as mothers and it helps us as these bearers of the ongoing um, life of our species. Right. Yeah. And so again, that might feel a little like philosophical, but I just think it's sometimes important to note like, Hey, there's a, there's a big problem with this system being turned off and turned down and your body really was designed in this really beautiful way. And so as something that was intricately created mm-hmm. in order to take away the power from that creator, you would want to hurt the creation, right? You would want it mm-hmm. to function in a way that isn't aligned with what that creator intended. And I right. just see that happening so much for women. And I think it's really sad. Yeah. Yes. I mean, this topic is so important to my heart. Actually, last week on the podcast, we talked about the feminine nature and how God designed designed our intuition, us to flow like energetically with our cycle throughout the 28 days, how we go through those periods of time of, you know, slowing down, receiving, um, being quiet, being still, being reflective, releasing to God, you know, as we're on our bleed, releasing, surrendering the things we need to let go of. And then as you move into ovulation, it's a time when you're more creative, productive, as you said, like literally God has designed our hormones to support that. And we naturally feel it as women, like these are the times in the month when we want to, you know, declutter our whole house or rearrange all the furniture or start a new project. And yet in, in masculine culture, there's this pressure to like be productive all the time, like 24 seven, because men's hormones, correct me if I'm wrong, but their hormones reset. Like, isn't it more of a 24 hour cycle instead of a 28 day? Yeah. 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 And, and I think it's interesting too. Like, I love the way you describe that and what you said, because the other piece of that is we are made in God's image. And so all of those things that flow of that energy and those emotions and those experiences throughout a month, like they're a reflection of God's character and who he is. Right. And Mm -hmm. again, I think it all just kind of gets squashed sometimes when there is a spirit of having to prove ourselves or prove our worth or accomplish. Um, and they're really just distractions. Right. And so they can distract us from those things, our bodies wanting to help us do. Yeah. Instead. Yeah. And I think as a therapist, like where the emotional part of it is, I see so many women, including myself, like carry shame around Uh our irritability Mm. around our cycle. Or even I remember like early in marriage, Nate and I were sort of like, okay, like these three days, just like stay away from me and give me space. And it was sort of like, something's wrong with me. I need to escape my life. So I don't hurt you. And we don't get in arguments, but then when I'm back to normal, we'll be fine. 
And I just think so many women carry shame around one, like their hormones, even just the phrase, oh, I'm just feeling hormonal. It's like, no, I'm actually living and seeing what the way God designed me. And so I'm in this period of my cycle where I need to slow down and to listen to my body, honor my body. And it's not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. Because as I surrender, as I release, as I allow my body to shed and do what it was designed to do, I am then able to step into this fresh new reset for this next month. And if we as women could embrace that as beautiful and as God's intended design instead of as shame and something wrong with us, like, don't you think like that would completely change how we view ourselves? So much. And that even like goes back to a tangible like very tangible, very practical, almost scientific part of this, which I like to explain to women like, hey, <clears throat> if the, if your third week of your cycle, the week before your period is supposed to start, I guess it's kind of like end of third, beginning of fourth, um, you feel like you have to escape, like you're burnt out, like it's all too much to handle. That's actually a reflection that you are not resting enough during your actual period. So what Mm. happens is your body will push through because it thinks it has to, it thinks it needs to. And so you get this push through, you don't get the rest, you don't get the reset, you don't get, you know, the surrender, it pushes through. And then your hormones like pick up for that, like ovulation and reproduction. The body's like, okay, we can do this. We push through. Now these hormones are like helping us. And then as soon as those go away, that's when you didn't get the rubber band, like a rubber band, you know, you pull it back. And that's what pushes you forward. Well, if you don't mm-hmm. pull the rubber band back, you're you're gonna run out of momentum, right? Like you're it's just gonna stop. And that's kind of what mm-hmm. happens. And so I just tell women often, like, hey, you think it's something you're doing during that week, but mm-hmm. really that week is just a reflection of what happened your previous cycle yeah. or the previous time you're bleeding. Um, and and it's just a little report card of like, hmm. Maybe I need more rest. Maybe I need to take some things off my to-do list. Um, You know, maybe I need to automate something. That's one of the tips I I give people a lot is like, you know, if you think that Instacart or having house cleaners or whatever is bougie and it doesn't fit your budget or whatever, like we have a lot of people staying on a lot of different places with those things. um, That's fine. But if you are burnt out and losing it and you can't take a couple days off, that's a really good sign that your effort towards getting the Instacart, asking a neighbor to pick up your groceries, like the things that we don't want to do, you know, yeah. um, automating those things can be really helpful because yeah. that sets you up to be able to almost live differently those yeah. next three weeks. Mm-hmm. And so it's like in that moment, you're like, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. But like, what if you could make more money because you rested more during your period? Right. What if you could help your neighbors and you're seeing their needs more clearly because mm-hmm. your own needs got met because you asked somebody for help. Mm-hmm. And so I think, again, just having that like little perspective shift while also bringing in those like tangible pieces can be so helpful. Yeah. I mean, that it really, that has changed my life, how I run my business, how I do my calendar. Everything revolves around this idea of what you're saying of I'm, I'm trying to live in sync with my God-given design. And for me, you named one thing that I want to dive deep into because I feel like it's so common when women are under chronic stress or high stress. I know cortisol is a big factor. So I'd love for you just to share how does cortisol affect our hormone puzzle and like, what do we do about it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this really okay. Let me start. Let me start with your first question. I get so excited about this. My brain just starts like moving a thousand miles. <laughs> so, how does cortisol affect things? So, your body has three priorities. 
keep your heart beating, keep you safe and alive, reproduce. And then it wants to find patterns and kind of figure out what do we need to anticipate because anticipation and predictability feels really safe to your body. And so we have to remember that the body will work in that hierarchy. And the way the body keeps your heart beating is ironically with stress hormones. Every single cell in your body has a receptor for stress hormones so that if something stressful happens, your body can respond right away. The problem is that over time, over the years, generationally, our baseline level of stress or cortisol has gone up significantly. Mm-hmm. So we're living today with levels of cortisol that would be considered like massive trauma, massive world event, um, yeah. you know, end of species threats a <laughs> hundred plus years ago. Yep. And so what happens is that, yes, we evolve as a culture and as a society, and there is still, you know, survival of the fittest, meaning that your genetics play a role, like they evolve, they adapt. And the people whose bodies can adapt to handle more cortisol are the ones who reproduce and so on and so forth. But what's really important to note about that is it doesn't change that you still have a system that feels like this is high alert 24 seven. And it didn't even feel like, in my opinion, It didn't even feel like that really at the beginning of our parents' generation because it wasn't, I mean, I think about kind of like 50s and 60s when things really started to shift. Um, That's when there was a lot. And I mean, I'm very grateful that women are out of the home. Like I, I am not by any means saying we shouldn't be, but that is when women started adapting more to the traditional kind of like male patterns in the business world and industry. That's also when our food sourcing really started to change Yeah, Um, where we didn't have a milkman that brought us milk from a cow, but now we had people industrializing and really just automating everything um, from a sense of food sourcing. And so now we're eating a lot of foods that aren't grown in a vegetable where They have soil from the actual that's really dense and mineral rich, right? Like it's just grown Mm -hmm. in a lab. It's just genetically modified. It's even organic nowadays. It's still grown in a lab with very, uh, I want to say processed is the right word, but just very synthetic forms of soil. It's not the same. We're not putting cow manure on our vegetables anymore, but actually there's a reason we do that. Like that makes for the best, most nutrient dense types of foods. Mm -hmm. And so- then we had the microwave. And so all of this is just combined to where now we have like these computers, we have blue lights, we have social media that's making us addicted to dopamine, like our bodies, our society as a whole. And this is why we're seeing such an insane amount of issues mentally because yeah. our, our body, our brains are thinking we are in a threat to our ability to survive as a species. So what does that do to your hormones? The, the first thing is that you have that really beautiful flow that we were talking about from your cycle. There's two main hormones that do that. You have estrogen and you have progesterone. Progesterone is your hormone that shows up halfway through the month after you release an egg. And its job is to really prepare the uterus for that egg to be fertilized. But it has some really other unique jobs. It takes the lead that second half of your cycle. So you should have two weeks every month where progesterone is dominant and producing its effects. And some of progesterone's job, it's like a natural Xanax. It should be helping you feel calm. It speeds up your metabolism um, so that you can have good blood flow, good brain connectivity. It can help you to feel more calm, more relaxed. It helps you fall asleep. It helps you stay asleep. 
one of the key pieces of progesterone is that it comes in and it helps to lower those stress hormones. Mm-hmm. It turns them down. It says like, hey, we don't need to be so stressed. You're fine. You're safe. You're good. But what the body does when it is living in an environment where there's chronic stress signals is it says, hey, we don't want something coming in here, turning down the stress hormones. These stress hormones are how we survive. We will not stay alive if we are not putting all of our resources towards making more stress hormones. So the body will say, okay, turn down production of progesterone. Just turn it off. We, we don't, it's making it harder. Just turn it off. And so remember that third thing the body tries to do is find patterns. So if you're in this pattern of high stress signals, high stress hormones, your body needs to make those hormones to function, your body's used to those high hormone levels, then it's going to say, all right, in order to do this effectively, this is the pattern we're in, we need to turn progesterone down. When you lose progesterone, you're now hit with a double whammy because now you don't have that protection against those stress hormones. So they're really out of control. You also don't have progesterone keeping that hormone balance in alignment. So where progesterone should be giving you two weeks of activity, it's not anymore. And what happens is your estrogen is still there. So you're seeing more estrogen activity. And the problem with estrogen is that it does a lot of good things. But when you have too much of it, all of those good things get flipped on their head, right? It's like a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. It's how people say like your greatest strength is your greatest weakness. It's Mm -hmm. the same thing for estrogen. Estrogen's job is to increase blood flow to your uterus. Well, when you have too much estrogen, you have really heavy, hard, painful periods. One Mm -hmm. of estrogen's job is to regulate fat storage. Well, when you have too much estrogen, you're storing way more fat than you want to be. One Mm -hmm. of estrogen's job is to increase creativity and that like social activation. But when you have too much estrogen, you get brain fog and you feel really, really fatigued. And so what we're seeing here is this epidemic where stress hormones are increasing everything. Stress signals are so high. And then your body feels like, well, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be making progesterone. It's just going to shoot us in the foot. So it turns down progesterone and two things happen. You get way more stress hormones. That's increasing inflammation. That's making you feel like you have ADD. Adult onset ADHD is like one of the most common problems right now. And I really believe it's going back to low progesterone in women. Um, because I, I, The trend lately has been finding it in women way more than men. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you also have estrogen becoming overdominant. So now we're seeing a lot of issues with our cycles. We have crazy PMS. We're exhausted. We have brain fog. We're fatigued all the time. And that's really coming back to, in my opinion, this core problem of we've turned down the one hormone that has the power to keep the whole system balanced. And so that's also the approach that I like to take. Because when you feel like this, when you know this is happening, what are you told? You go to the doctor and say, everything's normal. This is just a part of having two kids. This is just how you feel after three pregnancies. This mm-hmm. it, It's fine. This You're, you're getting older. It's only going to get worse from here. And the problem is like, no, <laughs> it's not true at all. Right. And then the other thing is you're there and you're like, well, I think I'm so stressed. I think it's, you know, you could even hear this and be like, I think it's my stress hormones. And what are they going to tell you? Just relax. Don't be so stressed. <laughs> just, just don't be stressed, right? And so I'd like to make sure that people understand the difference. Like, hey, this isn't just mentally feeling stressed and overloaded. This is your body having a physiological response to stress signals in your life. So some overlooked, really common stress signals are going to be, what are your phone hours? How much sleep are you getting? Are you actually feeding yourself? That's one of the biggest ones I see for most women. And I think one of the things that we had talked about chatting about on today's 
call was like, hey, what's the role nutrition plays? And it's like, well, if your body's not getting the fuel it needs, it thinks it's in an actual famine. And so it thinks it's in a famine while it also thinks there's this huge, massive threat to the species. You are going to be feeling on edge and in fight or flight all the time. And years and years of years of this adds up to a lot worse problems than hormones. Mm -hmm. Because there's so much inflammation and there's so much stress that none of your organs can do their job well. And the body is operating almost on like turbo speed with this fire alarm in the background. And it is, it's causing problems like cancer and autoimmune conditions and these really big, hard things that if we got back to some of the basic principles of like, let's look at the physiological inputs, let's change our sunlight exposure, let's change our food sourcing, let's change. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be hard. I'm not saying like, go back to Little House on the Prairie and milk a cow. But I am saying like, hey, if you make some small swaps to like picking this bottle at the grocery store instead of this bottle, you could feel significantly different. If you Mm -hmm. spent less money on getting your vegetables from the farmer's market, you could notice a pretty big difference. Right. Wow. That was a big I mean, everything you just said, like, (laughs) it's it's amazing because this information is so important and – I'm going to speak to what you just said as a therapist, like what I see as the result of all of that is people being highly anxious, Mm -hmm. depressed, overwhelmed, and they think it's a mental issue. And while as the therapist, I obviously see the value of counseling and talk therapy and what I do, but that's why I no longer counsel in a vacuum. That's why I counsel out of doctor's offices because I understand the mind, body, spirit connection Mm -hmm. and we have to address the physiological issues because sometimes I take someone as far as they can go in therapy. And I say, this is, there's a physiological root here going on. Like we need to address this, like either complementary or alongside because we're shaming that part of us. Like, and, and just chalking it up as like, Oh, I'm having, you know, dealing with mental health issues. And it's literally everything you just named all these factors going on that are oftentimes unseen, unrecognized, and under-supported. And it could be the simplest fix that makes all of the difference. Yeah. And I see it in like really, there's some big components of this too. Like I was reading this incredible book and it just opened my eyes to so many things. This is a little bit off topic, but it it hits on what you just said of um, the book was talking specifically about ADD, ADHD, autism, but then it brought in Um, schizophrenia, bipolar, and violent crimes. Mm. And what it was linking was the books called Nutrient Power by William Walsh. And it talks about how like we have seen that a lot of people that struggle with these big issues, like big problems, um, you know, they are experiencing some of the same brain deficiencies of vitamins and nutrients and minerals Mm-hmm. They have these genetic predispositions that their body responds really intensely to these deficits. And so one of the studies he did in this book was he went into the prisons and he looked at convicted, um, you know, murderers and violent crime criminals and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And they did nutrient therapy to see like, Hey, if we replenish your levels of zinc, if we pull and see like, what is your zinc and copper look like? What is your, um, magnesium? Like all the things your body needs to convert nutrients right. in the right way what happens? And they were seeing, I mean, up to 90 something percent changes, decreases in meds, violent behaviors, stopping compliance with authority. And I think it comes back again to like the spiritual side of this belief of, 
I just, I, sometimes I have a heart for people that their bodies are struggling so much and they just get deemed like, oh, well, they're a sociopath. That's just mm-hmm. who they are. And it's like, they, they have the same slate we do. It's just that genetically or minerally or something, trauma, you know, all mm-hmm. these things play a role in it. But there's so many ways these things can be addressed and fixed rather than just assuming that person is psycho and right living with that. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just, I know that's a tangent, but I just sometimes hear these things on like the truth crime, like world is really popular right now. I just, I I think sometimes I'm like, God, how, like what, what happens? How does this happen? And having that understanding of how a lot of it can go back to the physiological and the biology and that as a society, we're just missing it. It actually makes me really sad. Yeah. Um, Well, and there's, I I mean, there is grief to that because so many people are asleep to this fact and they have shamed themselves or society has shamed them. And whether it's that extreme of like being in a prison or whether it's just, you're a mom in your home and you feel like you're constantly irritable and you're like, have mom rage with your kids. And you go through the cycle of feeling guilty every week because you're not responding the way you want and you're snapping at your husband and you think something's wrong with you and you try to go to counseling and you do all the things that are like, yeah. which again, as a counselor, that's great, but there's other factors going on. And if we can remove the shame and look at you as a whole person and say, let's replenish your nutrients. Let's start to support your cycle. Let's get you in sync with how God intended. Let's restore back to our original design. Like then you can actually look at yourself with an accurate view to say, mm-hmm. This, these symptoms are not who you are. They're actually just signals and clues to say your body needs support Yeah, and to that. step back and reset. I love that. It's so good. And I think a piece to that, um, that kind of hit on what you were talking about earlier really can have this understanding of sometimes when it is physiological the answer typically just goes back to the medications and sometimes the medications can drive these imbalances further. And then we feel even more like I was just born with this. This is who I am. Like, right. Like in the traditional med world, they just don't put labels on things and be like, well, it's Mm -hmm. just your genetic that you're bipolar. It's just your whatever. And, and sometimes when you challenge that, and even when I think sometimes you just sit with God and ask like, why are these diseases a thing? Why do these things happen? Yeah. You can see um, some really neat places to plug in or to try or to add support. And even if it involves the medications, I tell my clients all the time, like whether you're somebody that wants to get pregnant and you want to do IV, IVF or IUI or try the medications, or you're someone who's struggling with postpartum and you need the anti-anxiety med or you need the antidepressant, those things aren't bad. It's just, are you accepting that as a label? And then hoping it fixes the problem because it won't, it won't Mm -hmm. fix the problem. It'll help you. Absolutely. But there's something deeper that you can add that Mm -hmm. then is going to help you to really fix what's going on. Right. And so I just think that's important too. And I tell people all the time, like, let's just help your body so that it can even use the medications more effectively because that third form that, or that third piece of our core design is that the body finds patterns. And this is why people typically have to like increase their dose and increase their dose and increase their dose because the body gets used to a certain amount and the problem is still there. So then you're still like, you feel better, you feel better. And then the body gets used to that amount. And then it's like, I'm actually not feel so good anymore. Like it's not working anymore. 
And so the answer is, all right, let's just up your dose and let's just up your dose. Well, now let's switch you to a different med. Let's switch you to another one, right? When if we went deeper from the very first time said, hey, like this medication can help. Absolutely. Let's figure out what's going on. What drove this imbalance? Mm -hmm. Why are you needing this extra serotonin or this extra dopamine or whatever? Um, I think that's a really big missing piece from the mental health issue too, because we know that genetically people respond differently to each of these meds and some of them make the problem worse. But then sometimes like that transition period isn't ideal either. And so it's just Mm -hmm. like this really messy thing that I feel like people can get trapped in sometimes. Yeah. Where if from the beginning we took that root approach and like supported everything with or without the meds, you'd have Mm -hmm. a lot more success rate. Right. Yeah. And I would say to anyone listening who is on meds, like I think what what you just said is so key that you can start supporting and replenishing your body right now. Oh, yeah. And, you know, most people who are on medication, like if you do have that desire to eventually get off it someday, like you can start now to to understand your body more and to start to take these simple things. And I know for me, like last year when I went through your total hormone reset, that was just so helpful, like to lay out the pillars of okay, all these puzzle pieces feel really overwhelming. Like where do we start and how do we kind of walk through to, to take those steps so that whether you're on medication or off medication, you have a plan to know, like, here's a roadmap to become more balanced. So could you walk us through, like, what are kind of the, the basic steps that you take in breaking this down so that it doesn't feel so overwhelming? And what are some practical things that people can do? Okay. That's really good. Um, I do just want to say super quick though, because I know that sometimes someone can hear and like align with a lot of what we're talking about, but then need the medications or be on the medications. And I do not want anybody to walk away with any like shame or guilt around that. Yeah. Um, and so I just want to tell you, like, even if you've needed the medications or you're on them or whatever, like that is not a reflection of you. It's not a reflection Mm -hmm. that you didn't do something well enough or that you caused whatever is at the root of it. Um, And I just think that's really important because even again, like people that have needed birth control have needed fertility meds, like, are there things you can do to fix it and support it? Absolutely. Are there reasons? Sure. But it doesn't mean that you were the problem or you created that problem. And I just think that's really important to walk people away with. Um, Okay. And so your question was, Hey, what are some practicals and some tangibles about how we walk somebody through supporting their bodies? Is that right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So What I like to do is inside of our programs and the way I teach women is we have to start with foundations. So we start with your body has this really unique system of how it keeps things balanced. And there are some basic pieces that need to be in place first, right? It's just like building a house. I would have no idea what to do first if I was building a house. I'm assuming it's like dig a hole, right? And then somebody (laughs) puts some wood in there and then somebody puts concrete in it, right? Right. But they, whoever's building this house, my architect is going to know like, okay, we need the ground to look like this first. Then we can go in and build the holes. We need this type of wood and we need it placed in these places so that when we pour the concrete, it doesn't cave in, right? Mm-hmm. What I like to say I do is I've learned how the body heals in that same blueprint way. I know like, hey, you could absolutely come in with these supplements. But if these couple of things aren't in place first and the body isn't getting this signal, they're not going to work. And that's why a lot of women will feel like I've tried everything. I hear that all the time. Well, I've tried everything and nothing works. And a lot of times I want to say like, well, I think you've probably tried a lot and probably tried a lot of what even doctors have suggested to you. But I wonder if 
you're trying these things, but the foundation wasn't laid. Because mm-hmm. just like you and I know, like, hey, it's absolutely possible to build a house and it to stay standing. <laughs> if that doesn't happen, if you build a house and it falls over, we're going to say like, well, there's a problem with the foundation, right? And so mm-hmm. what happens with women is they try all these things and they do all these things. And they're like, I did keto. I did sugar-free. I did gluten-free. I did the supplements. I tried to lose weight. Nothing is working. And I like to mm-hmm. go back to like, well, did you lay the foundation? Do you even know what the foundation is? And I didn't. And I would say like most women don't. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's where we start is the the foundation. Like, hey, let's look at what you're doing all day, every day. Like, And it can be quick. I mean, I can do this. I had a call yesterday. I was like in 15 minutes. I was like, all right, you have your steps forward. What else do you want to talk about? Um, <laughs> and so it's just when you know it, when you've done it time after time after time, it's like, okay, this is clearly like what we need to do to get this foundation laid. And so mm-hmm. we just look and say like, okay, these are the signals your body is getting based off of what your habits and your routines are right now. And mm-hmm. these signals are most likely the exact reason you aren't seeing, seeing the healing you want. So what we're going to do is lay a foundation to change these signals so that your body can start healing. Because once the body has what it needs, the system is there. It's in place. It's a working machine. It literally just needs to be turned on and you need to start pushing ingredients through it. But what's Mm. happened is over time, the system is slowed down and you aren't putting ingredients in there anymore and the system's not turned on. And then you're trying everything and you're like, the machine won't work, the machine won't work, the machine won't work. And it's like, you've got to turn it on. And Mm. nobody's taught you how to turn it on. And so for me, for a lot of my clients, that machine really is what I like to, I mean, it's your metabolism. And I like to clarify when I say metabolism, I don't mean like calories in versus calories out. Metabolism is the whole way your body is functioning from the signals it's getting. So everything you're doing, you're eating, um, your thoughts, all of these things really tell the metabolism how to turn what is coming in into energy. And that Mm -hmm. energy is in the fuel source for all of your organs. And then all of your organs go and do their jobs just like they're supposed to. So if there's a problem, your liver's backed up or you have gallbladder issues or your gut's messed up, your gut's dysregulated, A lot of times people say, well, those are the root causes. I've got hormone Mm -hmm. imbalance and it's because of my gut. It's because of my thyroid. It's because um, my liver, right? But let's take it one step deeper. Why do those organs, why are they not doing the job they need to do? And most of the time it's because they aren't getting the fuel that they need to do their job well. So outside of, you know, some extenuating things like major injuries or trauma or anything like that. If those organs get what they need, they will do their job. It's much like a company, right? Like if you have a department and you stop paying your employees in that department, they're not going to show up and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, we're having all these HR problems, but we don't have any HR reps. And it's like, yeah, you don't pay them. So they're not here. And it's kind of the same thing. Like, yeah, your liver is having a hard time because you aren't paying it. Um, And so that's what metabolism is. It's that system that keeps everybody getting what they need so that they can function really well. You get your organs functioning well. They start doing what they're supposed to be doing. Then your hormones are being made the way they're supposed to be made. Then the hormones are helping the metabolism stay fueled so that everybody, it all works interconnected, right? It's not like there, it's not like a linear process. It's as soon as you get this result you're looking for, like making more hormones or more hormone balance. That mm-hmm. balance, it's going to support everything that created the ability for that balance to show up. It's a circle, yeah. not just like a straight line, like a lot of times we think of it. Right, right. It's it's all connected, and I and I think 
Well, a couple of things that you said that jumped out at me. One, one of the practical things that I learned from you is I realized how much, how many women don't get enough fat. And so mm-hmm. just like adding that, especially for women having brain fog, you know, like I, I've just, yeah. that's one of the practical things every day that I, yeah. I think of. Okay. Let uh, me walk you through that though for your people yeah. that are listening. So yeah. when we turn back on the metabolism, we look at things in a hierarchy. So it's not just like, Hey, get enough fat, get enough protein, yeah. um, regulate your carbs. Those things are absolutely important, but we have to start at the base level, which is, are you getting enough overall? Does mm-hmm. your body feel safe? Because if your body doesn't feel safe and you're not eating enough overall, you could be eating only fat and and you're not going to see the results you want. So that's why our program is um, designed in a way where just like that architect, like we do the first things first so that every single next step you take matters and you can see the results and the response from it. So that's why though, if somebody is struggling with imbalances and they read or they heard online, like, Oh, I need more protein. Women need a hundred grams of protein to be able to build muscle and tone up and lean out. They're going to add all this protein and they're still not going to feel better. And they're going to be like, it's not working for me, but it worked for Susie, right? Yeah. And so that's where we come in and say like, okay, hold on. Let's go back to step one. Are you getting enough overall? And that's mm-hmm. like the first thing I want women to like learn and understand. Yeah. And then we're going to yeah. look at, are things staying stable? So are you eating in a way that the body is feeling safe? Um, and that has a couple different pieces and it's kind of different for everybody. So sometimes it is more fat for some people. We actually need them to eat more carbs to balance out the amount of proteins and fats that they're having. Mm-hmm. And so that's another reason why inside of my programs and the way that I work with women, I think when you're learning this, if you can take eight weeks of your life to have somebody hold your hand through it and look mm-hmm. at the routines and the rhythms and the foods and the life you already have, that is worth like six months of trying to figure it out on your own. And yeah. so that's why we keep coaches and one-on-one support. And like, you are never walking through this without somebody looking specifically at what your next step is. Um, Mm -hmm. and somebody was asking me this yesterday. They were like, well, what makes your program different? And I was like, I haven't seen one where you can learn this information and it's not self-guided with like, oh, you can show up to a zoom call whenever you want. And Mm -hmm. so I think we're really unique in that like, we are looking at everything. And I mean, it is just like an architect who goes out to that lot every single day and is like, yeah. all right, are they doing this right? Is the ground right? Yeah. Is this right? And that's the, that's what you want on your team, right? Like mm-hmm. you think you're saving money by using the like standard builders that are popping up the neighborhood next door, but we all know what those houses look like now, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. my brother actually just bought one and it's just really funny to see just like how the industry of building homes has changed now that the neighborhoods are just like throwing up the cookie cutters um, and yeah. just the quality. And even he is like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is deemed okay. Right. And so I just tell people like, sometimes when you think you're saving money and you think you can figure it out on yourself and you think you don't need the coach or the support or the help, um, sometimes you end up having to like buy things twice. You know what I mean? Like I've done that. I've been that person that's like, no, I can do it myself, like dyeing my hair, right? And then I end up having to go back to the salon and have somebody fix what I did. Um, (laughs) And for some people, that is great and that can work fine for them. But my belief truly is that with this type of information, especially if you need healing and you want to lay that foundation for a long time, if you're in your 30s, like you've got 20 years of a hormone journey coming up. Um, Mm -hmm. 
and it can be a good journey. I say that almost in a scary way, but I don't want it to be scary because it's a really good, like beautiful mm-hmm. journey. Mm-hmm. But if you're scared of it and you've been told it's just going to be a problem, then you need to take a little bit of time of learning it, of having somebody walk you through it so that you can have that the rest of your life. I think we just said this when, before we hit record, I was like, it's like learning to read. Like your kid mm-hmm. can go to school and they, some kids can make it to like seventh grade without knowing how to read because they just copy the worksheets and they just like fill out the papers like they think they're supposed to. But if they don't know how to read, we know like they're going to reach a point where they can't go any further. It's kind yeah. of the same thing with your body. If you don't understand how this works, you can buy the meal plans and you can buy the diets and you can hire the personal trainer, but you're going to hit a point where you've got to have this information to know how it works. Right. Yes. And I, I, I think that's one of the many things I appreciate about you is that again, you're teaching all these different components, but I've, I've seen you with myself and other women when you do coaching and you guide women through this, like every woman does have her own journey and her own story and her own factors. And so you look at women and every piece of the puzzle of what's going on with her lifestyle and how she's feeling her body and her level of stress and, you know, all her, her temperatures and the patterns that you see. And then you can, because of your expertise, make sense of it and then see like, where is her foundation cracked? And like, how can she start? And, you know, every woman's coming in at a different place. So I think that's just empowering to have that personal information and to learn those tools and skills then to be able to actually carry it on like after that. Yeah. And I think that's how it it was very intentional in the way we designed our program to be able to do that. Um, But I think that's how, I mean, sometimes I'm surprised by how how much success the women in our program will have. Like sometimes I'm like, I'm like Mm -hmm. impressed that your body did all that (laughs) from just these couple of changes we made. And so I just like to, you know, let me give a shout out to God for making our bodies that way. Because what I like to tell people is like, Mm -hmm. this isn't, it's not hard and it's not like we're doing a whole lot. We're literally Mm -hmm. just looking at the design your body already has. And we're working with that system because that system works the best. That system has lots and lots of self-regulation pieces to it that you don't have to do so much, right? Like right. it is already there and it is working. It's just mm-hmm. cracked or it's turned off. Mm-hmm. And we just need to turn it back on and, and give you the information you need to the user's manual to be able to use it so yeah. that you don't feel like you have to go build the whole thing by yourself. Yeah. And it always functions better when you're using the design your body has. And that's yeah. what really produces the results. That's how women will say like, okay, in just a couple of weeks, I'm not fatigued and my moods are stable and I'm sleeping better and I'm flirting again. And, and so a lot, sometimes people will hear those results and be like, oh my gosh, so she walked them through how to do that and how to do that and how to do that and how to do that. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like we probably just plugged in like a couple little things and then the mm-hmm. body started working again and it produced yeah. all of that for them. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I, I always say the phrase, you know, learning to work with your design and not against mm-hmm. it. And Again, when you understand the interconnected nature of your design, and as you said, plug in the right things, like the system works as a whole. But one question I have, and what I've witnessed a lot in the OB office, is that when a woman, let's say, for example, she's low in progesterone, if she is prescribed bioidentical hormone therapy, like, for example, taking progesterone capsules, okay, I, I can largely understand 
the math of why doctors prescribe it, but can you tell us like, you know, she may get like some results, but what's actually happening when you introduce, even if it's bioidentical, some type of hormone into your system without having all these other pieces in place? Yeah. So if the first thing is we're not addressing why is her progesterone Mm -hmm. low, right? So does she have a nutrient deficiency? Um, Is her body low in overall calories? Is her body low in fat? Is her body running on stress hormones? Like what's happened there? So sometimes when that's not addressed and we add the supplementation on top, we're not really changing the the machine, right? The system. And mm-hmm. so her body is still underproducing progesterone. But what's happened now is this outside source has come in. And a couple of things will happen. The first is that the body says, oh, well, if we're getting this hormone every single day, we should stop making it. So you're actually hmm. driving her imbalance further because now the body, the machine is making less of that hormone. And that's true of really anything we give the body. Um, Mm -hmm. kind of like how we were talking about those mental health meds, how you have to like keep going up and up on the dose. Usually it's because when the body gets used to a certain amount coming in, it down regulates, it decreases its own production because the body's always trying to be efficient and it has those self-regulatory pieces. It it self-regulates. So it says, Oh, if we already made this, we're not going to make it again. So it stops making it. Um, the other thing that happens is obviously like that root goes unaddressed. Um, but why people feel better is because your body has to respond to any medication you take. It doesn't have a choice. Your body has a choice if it's going to respond to something you make. So an example of that is, um, like if your body is making a lot of dopamine because you're on Facebook, if you get off of Facebook and we stop giving that stimulation, the body has to respond by down-regulating, decreasing mm. that dopamine release, right? If you were to take it from an outside source, like if I was just going to swallow some dopamine pills, I have to wait until those pills break down for my body to not have as much dopamine there. So mm. it's almost like if... um I think of it sometimes like a parking spot is like what we call a receptor. So you have all these little progesterone parking spots. And when your body makes its own progesterone, it goes and it sits in the parking spot and it can bounce on and off. So if something mm-hmm. really crazy happens, the body can take that progesterone and do something with it. If you're taking a progesterone, it sits and it locks onto that parking spot and it's there until it breaks down, until whatever that chemical formulation that's in there breaks apart and goes away. And so that's kind of one side of it. And there's a lot of debate over, well, bioidenticals don't do that. And whether they, uh, I, there is something that scientifically we can see in a lab and we can see on paper and we can see with data. I will never discount the actual client experience and the patient experience and the patient report, patient reports and the patient case studies. And I see like, hey, there's something off with even the bioidenticals, not necessarily doing this in the same way that our own natural progesterone would. The other thing is I see a lot of times that bioidenticals can do some of those jobs of progesterone, but not all of them. Hmm. Um, And then the other side of that is, again, that getting dosing right is really hard. Standards 200 milligrams, but what if 200 milligrams is a complete overdose for somebody? If they're only used to five milligrams because their body's underproducing. And then we put 200 on there. They're not going to feel that great. And I see yeah. that with a lot of clients too. Um, yeah. 
where I talk a lot about progesterone and people will say like progesterone made me feel horrible. And a lot of times it comes back to either one of two things, either they had a progestin and not an actual bioidentical progesterone and progestins make people feel horrible regardless. Mm. Progestins are the progesterone component mimicker that's inside of most like birth controls and a Mm -hmm. lot of like synthetic progesterone, like capsules and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, which is why they came up with bioidenticals instead. But I see in both cases, we don't necessarily see the supplementation from an outside source, push out estrogen the way we want it to. We don't necessarily see the supplementation speed up the metabolism the way we want it to. Um, it can sit on that parking spot and it can cause some relaxation and it can interact with some of the other parts of our body, but it's not giving us that really beautiful relationship where it can do a lot of different things and it can be dynamic. So the levels can adjust based off of your certain needs day to day. That doesn't happen when you take the same amount every single day or however long. Yeah. That's so interesting to me because again, being at an OB office, Mm -hmm. so I see it. I'll give a few typical scenarios. One is, I mean, honestly, most women who are tested are low and I'm just giving, you know, my observational data. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the case of like recurrent loss and miscarriage mm-hmm. or like, you know, risk with pregnancy, that's where like, I, I want to kind of have that same conversation we did about medication. Like, I think there are some situations where like to solve the hormone puzzle and to take all of these steps, like some women like they're high risk, there's an urgent need. And so OBs are prescribing it to, to reduce that risk and to bring balance. And I, so I just want to take that, like, if that, again, if there feels like there's any shame or, um, well, let me hit on that because I think there's some, okay. So there's a couple pieces to that. So in the case of recurrent loss, usually that is somebody who's not making enough progesterone on their own. And Mm -hmm. your body uses its own progesterone through, typically it's the first 12 weeks. Um, After you get to second trimester, the placenta starts making progesterone. If Mm -hmm. if you're traditionally low in progesterone and your body doesn't have the ingredients or it's not getting the signal from the brain to make progesterone, it's going to be hard to make enough for those first 12 weeks, regardless Mm -hmm. of what else has happened in your body, right? It can't can't overcome. The ingredients aren't there. They're not there, right? And so that's kind of the first piece. But then the other side of that is a lot of times doctors will then say, okay, well, we'll prescribe you progesterone. And I sit on both sides of the fence here. What I like, what I would prefer is that that client spend time figuring out why are they low in progesterone. And I like to see one to two, sometimes three cycles of adequate progesterone on BBT chart. Doesn't mean we have to measure it every single month. But if I can see like, hey, they're producing at least, you know, 13 days of progesterone every single month, I'd feel yeah. good about them getting pregnant and having a decreased chance of recurrent loss. Yeah. If progesterone's the issue. Um, because sometimes it can be those chromosomal abnormalities or something going on with the sperm. But that's kind of like one approach. But then a lot of women are so are just in a place and I get this and I relate to it. And I honestly couldn't tell you where I would be if I was in that situation where they just want to be able to get pregnant and they just want to sustain it. And they want that safety there. And so they use the progesterone supplementation. And I even encourage my clients. So my clients have had two or more miscarriages. If I do not have those three months of really good changes, if I can't see the difference between what did this look like when you're having miscarriages and what does this look like now that you're Mm -hmm. pregnant? 
I'll absolutely tell them to go ask for progesterone. I'll say, yeah, yeah. go get it. Go get it. Yeah. Using progesterone during pregnancy, in my opinion, is very, very different. And I am yeah. like, if you're using progesterone um, and even postpartum, I have some thoughts around, but if it's just because your levels are low and you're struggling with symptoms, I, I'm a little bit more like, all right, how much time do we have? What could we do? Right. Yeah. Um, and that's where, again, that like individual unique approach matters. And it's really interesting because progesterone is getting a lot of attention right now. There's a new postpartum treatment they're experimenting with. That's basically like a depot of progesterone. Um, that's meant to last eight weeks postpartum. Have you guys, have you seen this? I've heard about it, but I haven't done really this. And so what, what it is, is basically you come in and you get the shot and of this progesterone, um, which I'm, I'm not even sure, honestly, if it's a progesterone or a progesterone, but it's really supposed to help women transition because what typically happens pregnancy, whether you're on progesterone supplementation or not, is that the placenta is making these not so amounts of progesterone, just so high. And then you deliver. And the next day after your stress hormones have gone through the roof, because you just delivered a human, <laughs> you don't have any progesterone. And yeah. so what I tend to see there is that most women can handle that transition well, but it's hard, right? Like that's postpartum is hard. But if you went into that pregnancy with a lot of nutrient deficiencies, um, with a lot of imbalances with your minerals, that pregnancy depletes those like crazy. And then you have this huge depletion of progesterone. That's when I see a lot of women struggle with postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, um, Mm -hmm. a lot of issues there. I think those really come back to mineral imbalances that were masked before. Yeah. And then they were kind of mastering pregnancy. And now that we put your body through this, like in this pressure cooker, those small, tiny imbalances that you were able to compensate for, for years are now really big problems because now they're not right. just small imbalances. They're huge imbalances. Mm-hmm. And and that's usually in my opinion, what's going on when somebody's struggling with those really big, yeah. hard things postpartum. Yeah. Everybody's going to have a struggle for sure. Um, but that's also why I, I really advocate for women postpartum, like the day that that baby is delivered, I want you focused on as nutrient mineral dense foods as you can get in there. Mm-hmm. Minerals. I do. I talk about the element, um, like mineral replacement, getting enough sodium because like your body's got to milk, make that milk out of somewhere, whether you're breastfeeding or not, it's still made the milk. Right. Um, <laughs> and then you also have to recover from the, the delivery Earth. process. And then we also have to understand that it takes ingredients to make a human in your body. And I think some people, like, I, I think so, like I've talked to people sometime and I'm like, but do you understand how much your body had to do to like make skin and hair and organs for another thing in your body? Yeah. And I think sometimes people forget like, wow, that must've depleted every storage that my body has of every mineral that can be turned into yeah. an organ or a baby or hair or, you know, whatever. And yeah. so I just think the fact that like after people leave the hospital and they, the fact that they aren't given like 5,000 calorie meal plans with like the most nutrient dense foods in the world is so insane to me. <laughs> I'm like, you have right. to give these mothers guidance. Like if they are not keeping iodine levels up and eating enough carbs and like they are going to it is mm. going to make a hard time significantly worse. And you have a lot yeah. of hormones that will like help you out those first two weeks. And yeah. then after that is when I see people. And and to me, I'm like, those first two weeks should really be spent with like mineral replenishment and just like eating all the nutrient dense foods you can find. 
Yeah. And then that usually will set you up to handle the rest of the transition a little bit better. Hmm. I feel like we could do a whole other episode on that because of what I do with perinatal mental health and preparing oh. women. Right. I have an online course called Peaceful Postpartum that is really like a proactive and preventative approach because we look at all these interconnected factors and say, there's a lot you can do before baby comes to set yourself up for success, to support your mental and emotional health. Mm -hmm. And I mean, hearing you describe that again, just to summarize, progesterone can be like bioidentical progesterone can be um, a help in certain situations and reasons. Um, But also we just want you to have an understanding of the bigger picture. Um, in the ways that you can support yourself. Um, last question that I have, Heather, do you, and when it comes to hormone testing, I know that's like a common question that women have. What are your thoughts about that? Like, is that yeah something someone should consider or does that feel like it's not necessary or inaccurate depending on what it is? I tend to say it's not first. So I don't have a, if somebody has them, I'll look at them, but I don't find them super accurate. And there's a couple of reasons why the first is that they're stationary. And hormones are not stationary. And so what that means is you're going in at a specific minute in the day, pulling that lab and seeing what do the levels look like. The other thing is hormones aren't stationary in the blood either. The hormones in the blood, it's moving. And mm-hmm. so they act, there's this really, I just talked about this on my webinar the other day. Um, and it's, I can send you the link so you can share it with your people because there's this really cool chart. And what they did was they took 10 women that were going through IVF because in IVF, you tend to go in every day to get your hormones levels checked, checked. And, um, for all 10 of them, they drew their progesterone on the hour, every hour. And then they graphed what did those levels look like for some of these women? If you had your levels drawn at eight o'clock, you were below 200, which would be enough to supplement basically. Mm-hmm. If that same person had their levels drawn at 12 o'clock, I think it was, I was talking about on the chart, she was over 450 off the chart. Mm-hmm. And so it was just really interesting. And I'm, I should put the units of measurement because 200 is not a normal progesterone level. So don't, if somebody heard yeah. that, they're gonna be like, wait, what? I, I think it's a different unit conversion is what most labs, because most labs will say like 15 or something like that. So don't, yeah. if somebody's listening, don't think your level should be 200. <laughs> um, but Essentially, the point there is like that is the difference that within four hours, somebody would go from needing supplementation to being off the charts. And so what happens if you go get your hormones tested is that, I don't know, what time did they schedule a lab appointment? That'll decide whether you're going to get supplementation or rather you're fine, right? And so that's not all the time and that's not the case with all lab work. But with hormones, I like to see something that's more dynamic. And what I mean by dynamic mm-hmm. is really how are things moving over time? So that's why I would prefer looking at a basal body temp chart because yeah. that shows us how much progesterone are you making? What's the real problem with progesterone? Are you not making enough? Meaning that like when it shows up, there's not a lot there. So we see that on the chart. We see that the the increase in temps doesn't really happen. Or um, when it shows up, is it just not showing up for long enough? So are you only getting eight mm-hmm. days of progesterone versus the 14 you should have? Or Mm. is it showing up completely fine? But the real issue is that your estrogen is just wrecking everything. And Mm. really the estrogen, because you can see movement of both in a basal body temp chart, um, really the estrogen is where we should focus first. So yes, Mm -hmm. we could boost progesterone levels, but we also might just need to help your body get this estrogen out. They might be reabsorbing their estrogen all day because of their gut. Your gut breaks down estrogen. I see this a lot. Most women that are constipated or struggle with constipation 
tend to have insane symptoms of estrogen dominance because the gut will reabsorb the estrogen. And so the estrogen Hmm. is like running through there. And we see low progesterone kind of alongside of that because usually if the gut's not moving and you have a lot of constipation, it's a sign the metabolism is low. So if we speed up the metabolism, we can get more progesterone and move that estrogen out at the same time. That's a really good, easy, quick fix. Um, So yeah, those are just a couple of the reasons that, because sometimes it's also not just about a specific level of progesterone. Sometimes it's about how much estrogen and progesterone do you have? The other thing with hormone testing is we test them on a certain day of the cycle. And then basically your levels are, okay, well, normal would be within 80% of what most women experience on this day of their cycle. So on day three, for example. Right. But what if you have like a 24 day cycle and your day three is totally different than somebody else's? Right. Most people do a 21 day progesterone. Well, what if you ovulated on day 20 and your 21 day progesterone is not going to look right? Yeah. I remember having to get mine checked in our fertility journey and they didn't say, Hey, we're going to check it 10 days after you ovulate. They said, we're going to check it on cycle day 21, which should be 10 days after you ovulate. They didn't tell me to figure out when I ovulated. So I just went in there, but now I'm like, I think about that now and I'm like, that could have been so inaccurate. Totally. Like it it makes, yeah. I get really mad it's, about this stuff too. So I do too. Like it's me. frustrating because we as women need this information. We deserve, we would deserve mm-hmm. this information. And mm-hmm. I just so appreciate all of your wisdom and experience. Mm-hmm. And I feel re-inspired and pumped up to like, just kind of revisit my own hormonal health. And I I've shared in the last few weeks on the podcast, just like my journey of like hitting burnout this summer and like recognizing mm-hmm. how that's impacting me you know, even as a therapist with all these skills and I know how to self-regulate, there's, there's things going on in me that I need to revisit. And so I'd love for you to share, where can women find you? Um, website, your programs, Instagram. So I'll send you the link, um, to some of our trainings and some of these things, but the best place is really Instagram. That's where I'm most active. And so it's just at Dr. Heather Rhodes, D-R and then Heather Rhodes, R-H-O-D-E-S. Um, I'd say that's, that's the place to hang out. And we do a lot of, I do a lot of pop-up coaching, which is just like me in a zoom room coaching women, um, in our community. So outside of our actual program. Um, and then we do a lot on Instagram of just free education and lives and stories and all that fun stuff. Um, and then if you're someone who's listening and you're like, Hey, I know my hormones are off and I want to look at this, these action steps and, and really have somebody take my hand and walk me through my next steps, then I would say our total hormone reset program is, is going to be the place to do that. That's the one that you did Amber. And just because we talked about it here, I think sometimes it will help resonate with people. That program is the proven method for using your metabolism to boost your progesterone naturally so that you Mm -hmm. can step into more balanced hormones, increased fertility, um, and see a lot of those changes women want, like more calm and stable moods, easier cycles, more energy, Um, and you guys heard me talk about like why progesterone's the route that we do that. And Mm -hmm. I just think it's really cool because I I haven't seen many programs out there that, that have the data we do of like, Hey, if you do these things, like your progesterone level can increase naturally and it can create all of these results. So yeah, absolutely. Yes. I'm, I'm just so honored that you're on here. If you're listening and you want more info, just look at the show notes and we will have all of Heather's links there. So thank you for being here today. Of course. All right. We will see you next time. Thanks, Amber. 
Wasn't that information so helpful? I wish every woman knew these things. And if anything resonated with you, I'd love for you right now, just take a quick screenshot of the podcast, post it on social media and tag me at Life Interconnected on Instagram. I'd love to hear your thoughts, your takeaways, and your next steps. If you want to be a part of the Total Hormone Reset, I have a link below to find more information from Dr. Heather, and you can let her know that I referred you. So thanks for being here today, and I will see you next week. Thank you so much for sharing the space with me today. I want you to know that God sees you. You are loved, valued, and important. If this podcast helped you, it would mean so much if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and text or post a screenshot with your friends who can join our mindful movement of believers. Let's live intentionally as God designed life to be interconnected. I'm cheering for you. We are in this together, and I look forward to next time.